This is Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset, Episode 2. In this episode, we're going to discuss how you can let go and get more. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, my friends, and thank you for listening to this podcast. And welcome to day whatever of quarantine. I think I've officially completely lost track of time. (laughs) But what's even more alarming is that sometimes at the end of the day, even though I didn't leave the home, I feel exhausted still. And I was so glad to hear I wasn't alone. The other day, I was in a Zoom call. This time, it was with a whole bunch of counselors from all over California. To my surprise, each and every one of them talked about this exhaustion that happens at the end of the day, and we discussed how that might be helped. And I realized that that is exactly why I want to talk to you about this important topic of how we can do less and get more. Is that possible? Yes, I believe it is. It's possible when you let go in order to get more. Let go of stress and the pressure of keeping everyone and everything from unraveling each day as you do all that you do from home. And getting more, more of your time back to make sure that you have peace throughout your day, as well as confidence of knowing that your family members are doing their part. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds great to me too. So first, let's find out why we're holding on to so many things and not letting go. I think that's pretty much the natural thing to do for so many parents. And it's worked really, really great in the old normal to hold on to all the things that have to do with our own home. But now everything is within the walls of our own home. To build on this analogy, I want you to think about all the different things that we used to do, like, for instance, take our kids to activities and sports. Picture yourself taking your kid to basketball practice, for instance. You do everything that you need to do to make sure and get your child there. They're clean. They're ready. They have water. They've practiced. And then they run off to the coach. And at that very moment, there is an unspoken rule that the baton has been passed from your hand to the hand of that coach. And for the next little while, it is their job to make sure that they hustle, that they learn, that they do their drills. And whether you're the type of parent that takes this time to read a good book or whether you're on the sidelines watching every single move and making sure that you write notes so they can practice later, either way. It's not on your plate at that given moment what happens. Same thing happens if you're going to the park. It's an unspoken rule that it's not your job to monitor what they do at that park. 
Whether they get along with the other kids, whether they choose to play by themselves, that's completely up to them. And when this is brought all into your home, all of a sudden, subconsciously, you think, I got to take care of all of this stuff. Well, we're going to explore today how you can find ways to stop holding on to all of the things that are really never meant to be yours to hold on to. What happens when you do that is that you're working too hard. And that causes mental exhaustion. It causes stress. It can even cause you to feel like completely giving up. But you can begin the process today of helping each person be responsible for the things that they are absolutely capable of doing. It'll be good for your kids to do that and good for you. And as we move forward, I want you right now to think about this question. And we're going to get back to it later. Are you teaching your child to do what they're told? Or are you teaching them to complete their tasks and own their work? The results of those two things are very different. Essentially, what I'm talking about is them taking ownership. And them taking ownership of what's theirs is so good for them because they learn responsibility and they learn not to blame others and they learn to spend time on their tasks, whether they're things that they chose to do or not. Now, first, responsibility. It's interesting how kids will always want to pass the buck if they can and not take responsibility. Part of that is because they're motivated out of not getting in trouble half the time. The last thing they want to do is get in trouble either by the parent that's about to come home in a while or the parent that is home. We know that because we'll look at a kid that normally makes very good choices, but when they're about to get in trouble, oh, wow, they're going to blame their brother. They're going to blame their sister. They'll make up a story, anything to not get in trouble. And another reason they place blame is because they don't want to be wrong. The fear of failure is strong in kids, even all the way into two and one-year-olds. You can see that they don't want to be wrong or fail at something. So... They'll try and get out of it. This is all just part of being a kid as well as doing things that make them happy. And it's part of being human. But especially a child is having all kinds of things they just haven't learned yet. So, of course, they're going to take the easiest route possible. So you're doing them a favor by letting them learn these very valuable lessons when you help them do what's on their plate and take ownership of it. And this reminds me of when I was teaching my students to clean up the classroom when I was a Head Start teacher. I don't know why everything's reminding me of when I was a Head Start teacher lately, especially considering it's 20 years ago, but probably because of this issue of taking responsibility. It was really important to me that I taught my kids that as a teacher. So I decided to put in my lesson plans cleanup time before we went outside. I actually gave it a chunk of time. And the teacher next door to me, who's a veteran teacher, came over and she said, well, just a tip. You really don't need to put cleanup time as a planned activity. Um, we just sing and then head on outside and, and then your aide can clean it all up. And uh, right away that kind of rubbed me wrong. Because I really wanted to see if I could teach my kids how to take responsibility of the cleaning themselves. 
So what we would do is put on our song and I would sing, 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 and I would walk around and point to things and point out things that needed to be cleaned. And it took a long, long time. It took a long time because those kids wanted to keep playing or go outside and they looked at that song as just something to do to play. And I started to feel really discouraged with the process. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe my teacher next door is right. Maybe I do need to just go through the formality of singing the cleanup song and then get them outside so they can play. But something inside of me told me, no, let's continue the process. I started to talk to them about what it meant and what it looked like and what my expectation was. And over a period of time, I would have some students that would step up and start cleaning. And I would capitalize on that. And pretty soon it got to where I wouldn't even have to bend down and pick up one toy because I would just say, wow, I see that there's Play-Doh out. I wonder who's going to pick it up. And they would scurry over to pick it up. And then we would line up and we would head outside with a clean classroom. In that process, since the walls were very thin, I would always feel a little bit of judgment coming my way from the teacher next door as she would always beat me outside and her aide would head back in and both rooms look clean at the end of the day, so why did it matter? But soon it became evident that as the kids cleaned quicker and quicker and quicker, that they were taking ownership of their classroom. And it was a time that I didn't need myself or my aide to take ownership at all because they looked at the classroom and they saw the things that need to be cleaned. And before I even was done singing that cleanup song, they were done and lined up and excited to go outside. On the other hand, I noticed that next door, their system worked exactly the way she had planned for it to work clear till the end of the year. She would play the cleanup song. The kids would kind of walk around and line up and not a lot of stuff got clean. And then they would go outside and the aide would go back and have to clean. And I just felt a lot better about being able to free my aide of that responsibility and work and have her be able to go to her well-deserved break. And I felt a lot better about the kids being able to have that responsibility. Now, who worked harder is the question. It may have looked at the beginning like I was working harder. I was putting it in my lesson plan. I was teaching, talking to the kids about it. But in the long run, in the not too distant future, who was working harder wasn't me. It was the other class next door was working much harder for a longer period of time because the adults in that situation were taking ownership of an activity that the kids did have the capability of taking ownership of. And it had lasting results because habits last. When you help create good habits, those habits last. But unfortunately, if you allow bad habits, those also last. So planning is a very big step to success and knowing the formula of what needs to happen for kids to take ownership of the things they're very capable of taking ownership over, if only given the opportunity. 
Now, learning this didn't come quite so easily as a parent. I am very guilty of taking the ownership of things that my children can do time and time again. It wasn't till very late in my parenting that I began to really wrap my mind around this concept. And I share it with you now because I would rather you start working on it now rather than wait like I did to start practice. It gives you the gift of doing less and therefore having less stress, less mental exhaustion at the end of the day. It's a lot of work to be a helicopter mom. Ask any full-blown self-proclaimed helicopter mom. They work hard and they work hard all day long. It's a lot of work. But being a helicopter mom in this day and time when kids are doing all their schoolwork and their activities and their sports and their gaming and their fun all under your roof, that's a recipe for disaster and and so much guilt might arise in you because it's an impossible task. So this way of approaching the activities in your house gives you permission to take care of what you can And then also take care of yourself. And ultimately, it allows you to have more peace. Peace that you deserve. And then you're able to give back to your child exactly the parent that you want to be. Not one that's stressed and frantic, saying this needs to happen and it needs to happen now. Rather, you're able to take a breath, step back, and be the peaceful parent that you really do want to be. Now let's talk a little bit more about this three-step formula. Talk about what you're going to do, do it, and then talk about what you did. Let's talk about how that looks in different developmental stages of kids, or basically their different ages. With the very young child, um, preschool age, or developmentally, maybe even kindergarten, It might look like that you set up an activity for them. Let's use Play-Doh as an example. You set up the Play-Doh and you put a timer out. And then you give them directions. For a period of time, let's say if your child has an attention span for 10 minutes, then it's a 10-minute timer. For the next 10 minutes, you're going to create and make whatever you want to make with this Play-Doh. And in 10 minutes, I'm going to be back and we're going to talk about what you made. And if this is the very first time you have ever let your kid alone to do an activity that you have asked them to do outside of something that they chose, they might in one minute come find you and want to show you what they made or talk to you about it or have conversation or bring you in and ask you what you want them to make. And this is the training time, parents, for young ones. This is the training time when you say, oh, wait a minute. When the timer goes off, we're going to talk about it. I wonder what you're going to create during that time. And then you allow that time to happen. Whether they make absolutely nothing, a very stubborn child might be like, hey, I asked my parent to come help. Or they might get into it and start making stuff. When the timer goes off, you will go back to them and sit down and give them time to talk about it. 
Now, in that very elementary example, you have had to do a lot of training. But when you keep using this same formula with activities that you know they're capable of doing, then the time of their work is going to be stretched. And your free time during that time is going to feel very different. Because now it's as if you passed the imaginary baton over to the coach when they're at practice. You have passed the baton to them to do the work and you're going to check in with them when they're done. Now, with the older kids, it should look differently because at this point, they have an activity, very likely an activity that they aren't uh, happy about doing if it has to do with schoolwork or this type of thing. You ask them what they need to do and have them create steps to get it done, have them estimate how long it's going to take them, what time of day they're going to do it possibly, All of the different things that you ask them questions and what else do you need to do and what else do you need to do and let them work through that in their mind. Then you might not need to give them a specific time because it could be that their activity they just need to work on until they get it done. Depending on the activity, then you let them go, but you give them the stipulations. During this time, you tell them that you are not to be bothered during this time because this is their time. And you want them to honor that time. And you can't wait to hear what they got done. And you're going to sit down and talk to them about it. Now, yes, if they're doing a hard academic activity, there might be a time when they have a legit question. But I would still encourage you to have them write down that question and finish what they can before they come to you. So they're not bringing you back in to the responsibility of doing it with them. And then with that age child, you're going to come back and review what they did. If they didn't do much, you simply ask them, what do you need to do next time to make sure it gets done? What plans need to change for you to be effective when you do this again? Sometimes that means they're not going to be getting up from that seat or maybe they need a break and then they need to try again. If they did get it done, yes, then wonderful. That is a goal that they have met. And you should remind them of that. You just met that goal. You did that. That's amazing. If you're tempted to say, you did a good job, that makes me happy. It's time to switch that thinking up and say, you must be very proud of yourself. Now let's talk about going into those junior high and high school years. This same talk about it, do it, and review needs to be in practice. Because yes, they are an older place where they feel like they can do a lot more, but they still need your guidance. But not in the type of way where you're holding onto the burden of what they're doing and what they're not doing. So I suggest you do a check-in and a check-out. You talk to them and say, now that we're inside a lot and you're doing your things in here can you check in with me about what you're doing and then afterwards check in with me about what you did and help them follow through with that you might even have them do that about a completely fun activity like a video game they're doing or some art that they've chosen to do and then that way they can get used to you not being judgmental about it but that you're genuinely wanting to hear about what they're doing and then hearing about what they did It's very challenging for us as parents to step away from the role of correcting in this particular manner. There's a time and place for correcting. 
But if we're really going to help children take ownership, they can't be as scared they're going to get in trouble like we talked about before. And what happens there is that they're just kind of like mm, not telling the truth and saying they did something when they didn't. I can tell you as a counselor, that's a big thing with teachers right now with online learning. They come to me and say, the kids are not being truthful. They're not being honest. They say they're doing work, but they're not. Well, that shows me there's a very good chance that they're just doing what they're told rather than doing their work to complete their task and feel ownership over that. And as you begin to realize that you do want your child to work on completing tasks and being proud of that, you'll be able to completely let go. It's okay for them to fail and that's part of learning. Just wrapping your mind around that alone will help you in your home. If you are one of those people that have expected things to go a certain way in your home, oh my goodness, it will just bug you if something didn't go just right. If you realize that their work might not be on point, but sometimes, especially when there's already a lot going on in your home that wasn't going on before, you need to let go. And you need to tell yourself, it's okay, they'll learn from it. Now we're going to go back to that question that I had you think about at the beginning. Are you teaching your child to do what they're told? Or are you teaching your child to take ownership of their work and complete their tasks? Now let's look at the results of each of those two questions. I said they're very different. Let's talk about what it looks like what it feels like and what it sounds like when a child is being taught to simply do what they're told. What that looks like is that a parent is right there next to the child in most of the activity and the child wants them there. They actually expect them to be there. Sometimes you'll see helplessness, learned helplessness. And what does that feel like? Well, it can feel like a temporary satisfaction. It can feel very low stress because they are doing what they're told. But another way it will feel is an uneasy frustration when things don't go just right. When you aren't right there to handle the problem and that feels very uncomfortable in the home. And what does that sound like? Well, usually there's a lot of adult talking completely through the work. Sometimes they're scolding. There's consequences, and the results are that you, as a parent, work very hard. And another result is that sometimes they don't really care about the task. If you ask them the reason they're doing it or what, how it's going to help them, they can't answer that question. The best answer they come up with is, because I was told to. On the other hand, let's talk about a kid that's doing a task and learning how to take ownership of their work and complete their task. The sounds are going to be very quiet during work time. I have talked to families that begin this practice, and they are so surprised, even with several kids in the home, when they have a whole bunch of time 20 minutes, turns into 30 minutes, turns into 40 minutes of quiet time when their kids are engaged and then the adult is able to get work done. And you'll hear a lot of solution-focused talk. 
because kids want to find the solutions because they've been trained to take ownership of that and that they're going to be expected to get it done. What does the result of this? Confidence. The result is less work for the parent and more sustainable over time, just like my example of the preschool. Over time, this works. So that's why we need to really consider when we go into our activities with our kids, am I teaching them just to do what they're told? Or am I also training them to complete a task and to own their work? Another way you can look at it is that you're being a leader. And there's a big difference between a boss and a leader. A boss has a worker under them. And a leader has an assistant. If you've been working with a leader, you feel like your work is important, that they're leaning on you, and you're going to be working on that task whether they're there or not because they're depending on you. But if you have a boss barking orders and you're just an employee doing the job, a worker, well, the worker is looking for the next time they get a break. They have no ownership over that. They'll get the work done and move on. What's the next thing you want me to do, boss? If you feel yourself slipping into the boss and worker mentality, ask if that's appropriate. There might be a time when that's absolutely the right thing. You guys have a whole bunch of cleaning you need to get done. Do this, this, and this, and let's get the job done. Great. But consider if you can be a leader with an assistant. If your child is an assistant, then they're assisting you to be freed up to do the things that you need to do to be a powerful parent. And remember, when you show that kind of leadership, you're teaching your child how to be a leader. And a real leader looks for what people can do, not what they can't do. Well, at least the best leaders. And with that in mind, I want to move to the next part of our show where I lead you in a solution-focused, inspired activity. This one is one that you're going to use throughout the day, this day and tomorrow and in the days to come. Remember, today we're learning to let go in order to get more. And in this activity, I want you to practice letting go. In order to do that, you need to think about everything you have learned about mindfulness. And if you haven't, I strongly encourage you to look into mindfulness. Mindfulness is being in the present moment and enjoying and accepting that space. So right now to clear your mind, I just want you to take a nice deep breath all the way in and all the way out. And then I want you to consider the very next thing that you might do in your day. In that activity, is there anything that wants to pop in your mind that gives you a little anxiety or that little tug inside your chest of how is that going to get done? Right now, I want you to completely release that. I want you to picture yourself just completely exhaling and blowing that stress completely away from you. When you're in a place of letting go of stress, then you are in a place of being the very best version of yourself. The 
person that causes peace in any given situation, the person that's able to be a constant. Now, I want you to consider the things that you worry about, the things that are heavy in your mind. Remember that most of the things we worry about never have any chance of coming true. And I want you right now to choose to release that worry. Do you have worry about your children's schoolwork and if it's going to get done? Right now, I want you to tell yourself, it's okay. And if they don't do well, they'll learn from it. And what they do well, I will be proud of them. Now I want you to choose to allow peace to fall over you from the top of your head all the way down your body and any part of your body that feels too much tension and too much energy, I want you to release it. Now the feeling that you feel of letting go is exactly what I want you to take with you in the days to come. The moment you notice that your body is beginning to feel anxious and worried, I want you to take a breath and picture yourself completely letting that stress go and remembering that that's the way you're going to bring your best self to your family. Progress takes time and we have a very unknown future, but one thing you can know is that you can give yourself the gift of peace of mind by choosing to let go. And when you walk about your day, I want you to notice the things that your kids can do. Notice the exceptions. Maybe there's many things that you could notice that they can't do, but I want you to look at your day through a whole new lens and look at it in order to find what your kids can do. And then draw your attention to that. Be proud of them and then tell them that you're proud of them. Now breathe in, breathe out, and you are ready to bring your best self to your family and those you love. Thank you for joining me in this episode. And as we come to a close, I want you to remember that you can let go in order to get more that it's possible for you to look for the opportunities and train your kids to take on the responsibilities that they already have the ability to do within them. You can do that. And I would love to hear about how that goes. Can you email me and let me know some of your successes? I want to know what works. And you can even vent and tell me what doesn't work. My email is share at thefocusedmindset.com. That's share, C-H-E-R, at thefocusedmindset.com. And I will answer your email because I love hearing about what you're going through. And I even have some super material that I like to send out to help parents be their best self. And you know what? Ask me a question because I want to highlight your question in a future podcast. 
If you have a question regarding anything that has to do with parenting big or small, shoot it out to me. And it very well may be that you are the one that I choose to feature. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share it. We're going to grow this thing, guys. I'm going to be able to bring so many incredible guests our way. And we're going to learn more and more each time we meet together. And until next time, take care.